Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Hello. And we're also joined by Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. Yep. We have a packed show today, and we are going to jump right into it. Of course, this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we will talk a bit more about later. But on today's show, we're going to talk about the official elimination of the Toronto Maple Leafs, although we did do a deep dive last week on uh, the death of that team. But we will go... A few more things came out today I think it's worth uh, talking about. Also, the Edmonton Oilers are officially done, something that I didn't expect. We'll discuss our feelings on the Edmonton Oilers, as well as the state of the NBA playoffs. We are down to the conference final in the East and the West with a few surprising participants in the East and West. We'll discuss that. And we have an update on a story that we talked about in August, and we want to update you on the goings-on of one Matt Areza. All that and a whole lot more on this week's episode of 43.6. But before we get into all the, the big topics, we do like to discuss how our week has been going and what has been going on in our lives since the last time we recorded a podcast. And James, why Dude, don't we start with you? So I don't know what it is. I, some, I think I get sold on entertainment. Like, you guys call me out with like, you haven't watched the John Wick series. And, and I... John Wick series is a very good series of movies. Right. But you know what other series I haven't watched past the third installment? Fast and the Furious. Oh, my God. That's, so... I, I, I'm so glad you started with this because I have something to do with this as well. Go on. So, I, uh, I started um, not from the beginning because I have this game. I really shouldn't be sharing this because it's kind of like secret sauce. But back in the day... I had two go-to movies that I would put on if I had, I had like a date over to, you know, set the mood for a little bit of action later on in the evening. And one of those movies was Twister because everyone had seen Twister and halfway through it, you're like, I've seen this fucking movie and it doesn't matter. And then the other one was the original, the OG Fast and Furious. They were just, they were easy to put on to, like, halfway through it, you're like, let's make out, right? So, uh, the amount of times, knowing that that was my, my go-to film for that scenario, the amount of times that I've seen that film is just so many. So this is I stop short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ironically, a, a film about cars is my stop short film. Um, so... I've seen that one so many times. I've seen Too Fast, Too Furious is on TV like every other week. So I've seen that one a million times. And sometimes, like through osmosis and the fact that I've watched the other two so many times, I end up putting on Tokyo Drift just to remind myself that it exists. So, I, but I hadn't seen anything past the other ones with the exception of the fourth, which I had bought on Xbox for 99 cents back in the day too. So... I started there, realized halfway through that I had already seen this one, just kept kept watching it, and then I moved on to five and six. So I have the rest of six, seven, eight, nine to go through before I'm caught up, before I can watch the new one. And oddly, what sold me on the new one is Jason Momoa looks like he's having so much fun in the trailers, and I'm like, I just want to be that guy. Like, I just, I just want to be that dude enjoying whatever it is he's enjoying um 
Yeah, so he and Jason Momoa inspired me to go back and, and watch these films. So, hilariously enough, and we did not discuss this before he brought this up, since Thursday, I've been watching one Fast and Furious movie every night. Oh, shit, we've and probably been watching them together. So, um, and I've seen them all before, but, like, I'm just doing a rewatch before next weekend when Fast 10 comes out. So, yeah, I watched Fast and Furious, and it was as awful as I remember it being. And then Too Fast, Too Furious was actually better than I remember it being, but it's still like a, probably a four out of ten movie. Like, it's bad, but it's better than I thought it was. Uh, Tokyo Drift, I remember not liking, and I still don't like, because uh, Avatar Dude, I think, is a weird casting choice. And there's a lot of weird things about Tokyo Drift. Like, first of all, the casting of Avatar Guy. What do you mean Avatar Guy? I don't know, the lead guy in Avatar. He's not in that at all. Yes, he is. No, Sam Worthington is not in Tokyo. Is that not Drift. the same guy? No, that's no, a different it's guy. <laughs> Whatever, uh, Black is his last Lucas name. Lucas Black. It? He was Lucas in Friday Black. Night Lights. He wasn't it. Okay, I always thought he was the Avatar guy. <laughs> no, that's Sam Worthington, and Lucas uh, Black is American. Sam Worthington's Australian. Well, nevertheless, Lucas Black. I always thought it was a weird casting choice for that movie. Yeah, yeah, mainly because he, he's supposed to be playing like a high school guy, school, but he, he has forty. Like, but yeah, he looks 50. forty and. And there, I remember there's a scene where, like, he goes into, like, get money from some Akibono-looking motherfucker, and then, like, he's wearing nothing but a towel, and he has, like, this insane Wolverine chest hair. I'm like, this guy is supposed to be 17 fucking years old, and he looks like your 40-year-old uncle. Yeah. It's pretty funny. And I, um... The, the movies are not the greatest, and... What I find like fascinating about these films is that more than any other film franchise, I think in existence, the Fast franchise gets so much forgiveness for not being good, and so much forgiveness for having plot holes that just get retconned out. Like there's no like Letty dies, but then they just retcon. Like spoiler alert, retcon well, spoiler that for Fast Five. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like 12 A movie that ago. came out like 10 years ago, yeah. So, um, but it just gets forgiveness. Like, nobody questions it, right? Everyone's like, okay, cool. It makes gajillions of dollars at the box office. Everyone's like, this movie's a 2 out of 10. Oh, yeah, double the box office. Like, it doesn't matter. They, 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 the first film went from being a street racing movie, and they progressively just get more and more ridiculous, and nobody cares. Everyone's like, yeah, no, that makes sense. But that was that's for the better, though. So, yes, the first... M- three movies are about the street racing culture by fast and furious which is the fourth movie <laughs> um, it's out the window it, it they become superheroes they yeah. become superheroes with cars and i think the moment where it happens is in fast and furious so the fourth movie when vin diesel grabs that dude like who's working under a car by his belt and just picks him straight up it's like oh okay so he's like super strong now, and then like there's later in that movie he gets happens shot. Bef- like he's fucking happens Terminator before that. Happens before doesn't that. Doesn't even sell it in the opening sequence when they're robbing the gas truck, <clears throat> and the truck's tumbling down the hill, and he's revving his engine, timing to go through it while it's on fire, ready to explode. And he's just like, "I'm gonna time this, and I'm gonna go right under it." That is the moment where shit goes right out the window, and I'm okay with that. Because that's or, the direction that I enjoy about Fast and Furious. Or it's in Too Fast, Too Furious when I think it's Tyrese or is it uh, Paul Walker does the 
reverse and start driving backwards and giving the finger. Paul Walker. Like, that's impossible. It is impossible, especially the speeds that they were going. Yeah, right, but who knows, man? Like drive this... a car in reverse that fast. But oh, these and you can't pivot cars. from going forwards smoothly into backwards that fast. You'll, you know, the car will tip. So that's, I think, oh, sure. a good turning point too. There was also something like in Fast and Furious Three, so Tokyo Drift. Something that was really weird to me was like how there's like these old dudes who are involved with the high school girls and I'm like <laughs> why is this happening yeah and then i had to look it up do you know what the age of consent is in japan like 14 13 12 13 yeah Thir- i mean i think recently uh, they are changing it now to 16 but it's still like fuck man that's still, still really young, young dude it's uh it's really weird but yeah, but that's yeah what so i'm doing the same thing i'm yeah. watching all the fast and furious movies so I what do you want finished i finished four last night I'll finish six so tonight. tonight. Tonight I'll be watching five, and then are you are you mixing in Hobbs and Shaw as well? Or just yeah, because I've never seen that. So well, I haven't seen all of them actually. So there you go. Um, so I'll mix that in too. Are you gonna go see ten? Yeah, we should go together now that we've we, watched them. We should discuss this later. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because and the other portion of my week was made up of something I think Maddie might want to talk a bit more about because I think he's been uh, enjoying this more than I have. But on Saturday afternoon, I said, you know what? I'm going to turn on the Blue Jays game. And while it's happening, I'm going to play some Zelda. And then next thing I knew, I'm like, it is eight o'clock. I need to start dinner. (laughs) Like I hadn't even (laughs) looked up for like five hours. And actually, that's the last I played of it. It was on Saturday. I haven't touched it since. So it's one of those games where... If I start playing it, I know I'm going to be sitting there for hours. So it kind of like makes me not want to turn it on because I know I'm going to just a lot of my time out of my life. But it's a lot of fun. It's and I'm sure Maddie's going to have a lot of nicer things to say about it than I will. I would like to preface this by saying I think it's probably a nine out of ten, nine point five out of ten. Like it's a very, very, very good game. But it's still annoying as shit in its own ways. Like, Zelda has its quirks, and they refuse to change them. <laughs> like, there are things that are clearly can be improved about this game. But they're like, no, I don't want to improve this. I want our inventory system to be shitty. And that's the, the charm of Zelda, is to drive you nuts. And that's, that's the charm of Zelda. It, it, it can't possibly learn from its mistakes. I mean, yes, your weapon will break every 35 seconds that is just that's going to happen and you just have to be okay with the fact that you're going to pick up tree branches every so often that's just what you got no it's you got to get down to the actual land and realize that you have to fuse everything so that it exponentially increases durability yeah i know i I, i'm aware i have this fusibility and it's dumb but i know it's awesome so there's there's fun things you can do with it so you have these new abilities where they can like put shit together and like create so like i took a rock and then put it on my edge of my sword and now i have like a sword that has a rock on the end of it it looks dumb as hell but it's kind of fun swinging it and then there's stuff you can just build like just chop down a tree and like put a bunch of logs together and then put like a, a parasail on the end of it and i have a boat and there's just you know. no you don't even know the half of it you can actually start building because like as you progress further you get more and more like technological items to like improve your building things. Right. So, and you come up with creative ways to 
start like either navigating or use these materials. So, for example, have you come across the glider yet? I've seen videos of it, but I haven't actually encountered so, it myself. Like one of the hardest things is like people were saying, how do you get it off the ground or how do you get started if you don't have the rampway? And what people started to use is the rewind fans ability. On the of it? No, no, no. You just what you do is you put your fans on. You use the rewind ability. So then what you do is, is you lift it up in the air, let it sit for like eight seconds, then drop it down. And then um, then you switch your ability to the rewind ability. You jump on it, rewind it, and then it goes up into the air because it's going back into its previous course. Then you hit the fan and then you turn off the rewind ability and then you just start taking off. So that's the cool thing about this game that I don't know if I'll ever like fully realize. And I think there's gonna be a lot of videos online of like, look at this cool fucking thing I did. Oh yeah. There's like, it it seems as though, and I don't know if there is, there isn't, but it seems like there's a unlimited amount of creativity in the things that you can do in this game. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, cause you eventually get rockets, you get a thing that lets you actually control and steer different vehicles so when you attach it you can steer it so like even those floating platform things when you put fans on it you can get the handlebar thing that lets you steer it and then you can start building actual drivable cars and drivable planes and you get like skateboards where you can put rockets on it and shit and yeah i've seen the videos of people like grinding and like playing superman by goldfinger in the tiktok while links grinding (laughs) a skateboard on a rail somewhere no it's it's clever and like the amount of i guess solutioning you can do with some of the puzzles because of the endless creativity is awesome and i just did the first temple yesterday and it was actually really good it's not as long or in depth as something from like skyward sword or ocarina of time but it's just clever in the way they do it because getting to the temple is like half the battle and then getting yeah. so when you're there you're just like okay now because like when i came out of it i was like this isn't as long as what i remember zelda temples being but then when you look back on it because half of the time spent is getting to it yeah exactly there's and <clears throat> at the beginning of the game i'm in the very beginning of the game like you have to get to these three shrines or whatever the hell they're called and it does not other than the first one where it kind of points you in the right direction the other two like you have no idea where these things are and you just kind of have to look around and find them and which i thought was annoying but eventually like you figure out okay if i just go in this direction i'm sure i'll find the next one well it teaches you to use the pinning ability on your tablet and that's what you're supposed to do right which i honestly didn't even discover until way later well like oh we click the right stick and the tablet thing comes up cool okay great whatever but yeah, you're right. Like you'll see it off in the distance and then you're like, okay, how the hell do I get there? And then you try a few different ways and you finally get there. Like you get this cool moment of, I did it. This sense of accomplishment. My favorite tweet I've seen so far was Tim Gettys from Kind of Funny. And of course, everyone from Kind of Funny, big fans of the show, obviously. Um, Tim says, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom makes me feel like a freaking genius. I'm unstoppable. My wit is unmatched. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom makes me feel like a freaking idiot. I can't be st- I can't be stopped. I'm a complete loser. Repeat that every 10 minutes. So that. you constantly have this feeling of like I'm defeated and then all of a sudden it, it finally clicks and you're like, "Oh, that's how I do this." And then you go about doing it. So there's a balance here somewhere of I think it's incredible game design. 
But at the same time, I think it's incredibly lazy game design. <laughs> I don't know where it exists in this line. But at times it feels like, fuck these idiots. Like this, just point me in the right direction. Give me the right item I need to figure this out. Like this is just bullshit laziness on Nintendo's part. And then you figure it out. You're like, okay, I'm just the idiot. I, okay, this is actually brilliant. And there's, there's brilliance in their um, minimalism, we'll say. That... Everything is there for a reason, and you will figure it out. It's simple enough, but sometimes you just got to look at things a different way. Yeah, like it teaches you really to think outside the box a little bit, right? Where so, yeah. you think there'd be a you think of what the solution would be. You try it, like this doesn't work, and you get frustrated, and then you know you look, you kind of just throw something at the wall. You're like, oh, this worked, and then you see a video online, and you're like, that's completely opposite from what I did, and. The cool thing is, is that while each puzzle or, you know, like in the shrines, while has the solution or what Nintendo intended for the solution, they don't tell you that this is the only one. It's just however you get there is how you get there. Who gives a yeah. shit? And then there's odd, odd little things that bother me, like the cooking is annoying. Like, it's so much simpler than Breath of the Wild. Oh, oh yeah. I, I don't doubt that for a second. But I, I OK, so I get to the snowy area. And it's cold. So they're like, okay, you got to eat these peppers to, to like get cold protection or whatever the fuck. Like you're, you eat hot peppers and all of a sudden your body's hot and you're not cold anymore. It's dumb, but whatever. Let's go with it. And then it, you're like, also what? playing a game with elves and gods and. That's fine. That's not, I, I will accept this premise of eating the peppers. That's, that's fine. It's just, it's said when I picked up the pepper, like add this to cooking recipes to make your food resistant to cold temperatures. So me being stupid, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this steak and I'm going to put some salt on the steak and I'm going to throw in a pepper and I'm going to make a, a hearty steak with uh, the pepper and like it, it'll add all my hearts up and at the same time, the pepper will do its thing. And no, it doesn't work like that. The pepper doesn't provide any protection if it's cooked with anything else other than just fucking peppers. No, so literally all you have to do is take the pepper and put it in the cooking pot and it'll provide the protection. It's like, why can't I just eat the fucking pepper? Why do I have to cook the thing? Well, because the whole point is like you if you're using it with, say, something like meat is you got to do like two to one ratio. Oh, so, I did. it didn't work. Th really? Because I did for me. Oh, I got no. up that mountain. No problem. Anyways, that's just my complaint. There's a lot of things about Zilla. They're very smart. A lot of things that drive me insane. And maybe that's by design. But I will also say. How cool would it be? If Nintendo just stopped making um hardware hear me and out hear me out sega and be, just became a software developer just became a software developer and then they were given the tools to say here make this game on playstation 5 we wouldn't have a game that looks like shit it looks like shit to be honest and it doesn't really matter it looks like shit because it it's zelda and it's fun like you can get over like visuals when a game is fun but honestly the game runs like shit it looks like shit it's just I've had zero issue. It's not the, okay. It's not like a major issue to me, but like you can feel it doesn't run as well as it should or it could. No, no. I, let me take it back. It probably can't run any better than it's running. But I'm just saying, if this was existing on a modern piece of technology, and they were able to use Unreal Four, 
how amazing could Zelda look and feel and play? Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it would be like all these current games that are coming out that just don't run properly anyways. But I just I just thinking like when I play compare this game to uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Visually. It's 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 not even a competition, right? Yeah, but they get away with they're the, not trying it's, to. It's art direction. It's the style. Yeah. It's the, the style. No, I, I don't believe that because the style is the way it is because of the technical limitations. No. If you took if you took away the technical limitations, I mean, of the that's Nintendo chick- Switch, that's, does the art style remain the same? That's chicken. That's not. chicken and egg, right? So yeah. Not yeah. just that, though. Zelda's always had different art styles, regardless of the platform. Because the technical limitations of the Nintendo no, platform. No, because like, through that argument, then you would never see an indie game that is like Ori and the Zelda's Blind Forest. Not an indie game. No, but what I'm saying is you'd never see a game like Ori and the Blind Forest on Xbox, or you'd never see, you know, Braid and shit like that, because no, it's just, saying. well, technologically, you have the ability. Why didn't you just take more time to make it better and look better? Okay. Fine. I guess my the point I'm trying to make is what if Zelda had the ability to not be limited by any technical limitation and to make whatever game they wanted to make? Would it still look like this? I don't know if it would. But maybe that's not the intention. You, right. You know that's, what I but mean? that's I think that's the question, right? Is like I wonder is it? Do they choose this route because that's what they can pull off, right? right. Do you ever see the clips of the that dude, that programmer who's making Ocarina of Time in Unreal 5. Look that up. I don't think I have. It looks great. Cool. looks crazy. It's good. I just think I just think Zelda's one of those things where you don't go to it for what you... Like, Horizon, people go for it for the visual spectacle. God of War, part of it is the visual spectacle, like you're playing a movie. Even Final Fantasy 16 is going to be very similar to that, right? Where Zelda, it's not about that. I agree. I 100% agree. And the game wouldn't necessarily be better because I still think it's a very, very good game. There's not much better things you can do aside from like just fixing the inventory system. Like if they fix that, I would make this a 10 out of 10. So yeah. upgrading the visuals wouldn't make it any better of a game for me. That said, I would love to see one. I mean, I, I that's the thing is though, is I would even, you know, argue a little bit that it would might do it some harm because then you're getting away from the spirit of what zelda is possibly i mean but that's that's the i think that's like the to bring it all back to sports it's the man wouldn't have been cool if gretzky did make it to the leafs what would have happened like that it's kind of one of those things right like if you had the ability or if something went a certain way would it have worked would it be the same i don't know fucking harold ballard <laughs> pretty much it's eh? all ballard's fault rot in your gravy piece of shit <laughs> and yeah it would have been really cool uh maddie is there anything else you want to add to your week i, I know i just kind of assumed what your week was but no i mean it's just another weekend i guess zelda all right <laughs> zelda is so yeah, it, you're right, James. Like, fuck Harold Ballard. Harold Ballard. But Harold Ballard. it would have been cool if Gretzky was a Maple Leaf. It also would have been cool if the Leafs and Oilers play each other in the cup final. But Alas. obviously that <laughs> that obviously didn't happen. Um, I guess before we dive too deep into the um, 
the the quotes that came out today with the Leafs media availability and uh, the Oilers being eliminated. How interesting is it that it could very well be, we won't know until tonight, that the conference final in the West could be two expansion teams <laughs> in Vegas and Seattle? Like, how insane is that? The very real possibility. Well, I, mm, Seattle is much better than anyone gave them credit for. And I was having this conversation the other day. Remember when Seattle did their expansion draft? And I believe we all had conversations about, like, what the fuck were they doing? Like, why'd they draft these guys? And we realize now that they're all workhorses. That's why. They're a team made up of entire, like, entirely of workhorses. You know, like, I was reading a, oh, there's an Instagram post by um, the NHL with some of these guys' nicknames. And, like, Brandon Tanev's nickname, I forget what it is. But it's because he's just like speed and reckless abandon, like like that's what they drafted. They they drafted egregious amounts of character on the on the Kraken, like Alexiak, Larson, like these guys are just all character. Like even with Geo, when they drafted Geo, like you know. So I'm like I'm surprised, but I'm not. Like, I guess in hindsight, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back, you're like, ah, oh, now I get it. It's like a Zelda puzzle. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Um, earlier today, and maybe this is where we kick off the conversation. Earlier today, when I was supposed to be doing my shoot job, I pulled up Cap Friendly, which is, of course, everyone's favorite tool when they're going over salary caps and looking through team rosters and such. I know I use a lot. Of, I spend a lot of my time on Cap Friendly. And one of the things that you can do on Cap Friendly is to, not a sponsor, by the way, but if you would like to sponsor us, Cap Friendly, please let us know. One of the things you can do is uh, project your roster for next year, and you can make trades, and you can sign players, RFAs, UFAs, and try to build up a roster. Buyouts, yeah. Do buyouts as well, yeah. All sorts of things to be the general manager of this franchise. And I did some very uh, quick Googling, and supposedly, according to this one Google search I did, that the NHL salary cap is going up to $88 million next year. I don't know if that's true or not. That was just the number I was going with. But it's, a, it's good to keep in mind. You consider, what was it, 82 or 81 and a half or 82 and a half, whatever it was this year for the salary cap. Um, I think it was 80, 82 million, whatever it was. To go up $6 million is actually quite a jump. So I don't know if it actually will go up that much. Again, I did one very quick Google search from an incredibly unreliable source. So, I so the on the NHL website, uh-huh. um, there's a news article that came out March 15th. So it's not like it's too long ago. They said that the cap could go up to 88 million, not this season, next season, 2024-2025. So are they still holding or they don't know what... Yeah, so Anyways. the NHL would have to exceed its current HRR projections by about $100 million for the debt to be repaid this season. That's an improvement from what Bettman said following the Board of Governors meeting in December when he estimated the HRR would have to exceed the projection of 140 to 150 If it is not paid off in full this season, it will be next season, meaning the cap would go up to about $88 million for 2024-2025. It was 81.5 for three straight seasons before going up to 82.5 this season. 
So it's 82.5, right. So, so I imagine it goes to 84 next year. Yeah. 84, if, if they don't meet their so, revenue. Okay, let's, let's play with 84 then. And that's something just to keep in mind that, you know, everyone looks at this Maple Leaf situation and says, oh, like, you know, they've got cap issues and their core four is making X amount of dollars and whatever. Like, well, you are also are getting an additional two and a half million dollars up on the cap this year. So something to keep in mind, just, you know, as you start to go through some of these situations. And then I was trying to build a roster. Of course, we do the regular things like, yeah, I'll buy out Matt Murray. It'll cost me $600,000. Sounds good. And then I re-signed Ilya Samsonov to $3 million a year. So basically all the money that you save with Matt Murray is giving to Ilya Samsonov. And I assume that Joseph Wall is the starter of this team now and Samsonov will be his backup. Unless they make some other trade to bring a different goaltender. And well, then I, I gave some money if to you, Luke Shen. And, quick thing on that. if you, He has to be because if you... If you don't believe in Wall, like he's he's waiver eligible, like he's gonna have to, and he's gonna get claimed. So, I think there's a path where he is the backup. Just a note on that. Right. So I I think we're probably all in agreement that Wall will be on the starting roster, starting NHL roster beginning next year, whether he's the starter or Samsonov or whomever else they bring in, <laughs> or Matt Murray maybe maybe they don't buy out Matt Murray. It's Murray and Wall. Who knows, right? But I think Wall is on the team. So then I just started moving guys around and saying, okay, like, so if you are going to break up this core four, I hate calling it that, but if you are going to break up these guys, it would have to be by trade, obviously. And Austin Matthews today said that he was looking to sign an extension and would like to get an extension done before, uh, before next season. And I think I said to you, Maddie, I was like, well, yeah, obviously. Like, fuck, this guy better be fucking signed by the draft or you trade his ass. Because his no trade clause kicks in in his last year. So if you don't trade him now, you don't trade him at all. So if you don't get a deal done now, you don't trade him. So I sincerely hope that the Maple Leafs are planning on signing Austin Matthews to an extent. If they plan on signing Austin Matthews to an extension, I hope they do it before the draft. Because mm -hmm. that would be lunacy to what, have his no trade kick in. What's that number look like, though? <laughs> that's the question <laughs> honestly like you can't you can't really put him above well he himself could because he could say i'm 25 26 years old you know i'm a back-to-back -back rocket richard winner i'm i am your team essentially he i wouldn't be so and but granted you can only take x percentage of the cab i wouldn't be surprised if he wants one or two million more than mcdavid I don't, I don't, ugh. Like, what? Uh, I'm so, not saying okay, this so from the position look, of me. Hold on, let I'm me throw one other thing at you as you're mulling this over. McDavid's yeah. a free so, agent in two years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're throwing three things at you then. McDavid's pending UFA. Um, yeah, so what the price is for Matthews. Or, as we've all, we were all speculating last week, like someone might be traded, whether that's Matthews or Marner. And like, if you don't get a deal done with Matthews in the next couple weeks, you have to seriously entertain the idea of trading Matthews. The question then is, what do you want in return for Austin Matthews? A lot. That but starts so, with a starting center. First like of a all, number one center. He might want X amount of dollars. He, it's a very difficult argument to get him close to McDavid or more than McDavid money? Like that's a difficult I argument. A, I think he's more than McDavid right now. No, 
Austin Matthews cap hit is 11.64 right now. Isn't McDavid like 10.5? 12.5 cap hit for McDavid. It was Eichel that was 10.5. That was it. I think so, yeah. So I think it's a very hard argument for him to to get to that number. I think, but I mean, again, but where do you go, right? Like he's he's obviously going to expect a raise, and any sort of raise that's significant is going to put him over that number. So, you know, is it like the NFL where again guys are just getting paid because they're due? And I mean, it 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 doesn't have the same scale of well, the best guy has to be paid the most because obviously Lamar Jackson is not the the best player in the league, but he's paid the most in the league. So it could just be a but, victim of contract timing. Yeah, I would also I would also argue that the difference is is he's not asking to be paid on what he will produce. Like it's not like the old days where you had a veteran who was 30 being like I did this over my career therefore I deserve this. Or it's not like say a Makar who had who came into the league had the really good one season and he said my trajectory is insane. Sign, I'm gonna, I'll sign this now because if I get to UFA by the time I'm 24, 25, granted, you have to be like 26, 27, either way. Do you know what I mean? That he could say it could be infinitely more. He's not only proven it, he still has enough in front of him. So he's in an interesting situation where he has historicals to show that he is arguably, or maybe not even arguably, the best pure goal scorer in the league right now. And he's just entered his prime until until the the playoffs come around and i think that's the problem and that's going to yeah. be the the difficult argument for him is and that's why these conversations are going to be very tough is because i think that they're going to reference that i mean how could you not right from from a negotiation standpoint you could say hey you know you've been injured a number of times because that's how we all know that's how these negotiations go You've been injured XYZ times. You have not performed as a top-tier player in the playoffs in any of the seasons in terms of point production. You can argue that his game has been a wonderful 200-foot game, and I'm not taking that away. But again, GMs are going to argue whatever they want to argue or whoever's negotiating the contract for that matter. But so if if you're... and And then, dude... I know people are I know people are singing Dubis's praises and I even I do with some of the moves and stuff. But I look at how he went about these contracts and staggering everyone to to expire on the same times and you know it's Willie and Marner no it's Nylander and Matthews and Marner and Tavares are paired in terms of ex- expirations. But like why would you give the guy a no trade starting July 1st? in the contract year like you give him all the negotiating power because he could totally sundine you and be like i'm just leaving i'm not waving my no trade you're not getting fuck all back i'm not saying he's the type of guy that would but he could right like if they don't negotiate past july 1st or if they don't negotiate and sign an extension before july 1st like all the balls in his court completely and that's fucked. Like, how would you not have that foresight? And something that we haven't really mentioned a lot on this show, at least, is that John Tavares has a full no movement clause. So 
you can't trade that contract. Like, and he was asked well, about I it mean, today. If you want, if you had a deal in place, you couldn't unless Tavares gave you the go. He was, right? and he was asked about it today, and he said, "I want to be here. I want to continue captaining this team." So he's and not he said, going he, anywhere. He's willing to play the wing. So if you're gonna well, deal, sure, that's great. But like, they need a center then. <laughs> if you're gonna deal a Matthews or a Marner, you got to look at. You got to look at the way Florida approached Huberto, and it's got to be a hockey trade. It's got to be something for something immediate. It can't be futures. It can't be unless it's Bedard, but that's not happening. So it has to be significant. Like if it was to Anaheim, I'm asking for Zegras and McTavish. Would you take a flyer on Jonathan Taze? No. Well, as, okay. your, as your number as your number two potentially three center, no, he's thirty five. Well, is a UFA, and he's thirty five though. Yeah, but I'm not at if, the health. If I'm handing out money to UFAs in down the middle, I'm probably looking at Ryan O'Reilly, and I know he's not the player he used to be, but maybe that's a good thing for the Maple Leafs, where they can maybe get him at a better deal. Although he's made it seem like he's ready to test free agency, it yeah. doesn't sound like he wants to necessarily sign an extension with the Maple Leafs, and that's fine. But if Matthews wants to stay, and his intent is to stay, fantastic. Then you're looking at, you know, Tavares isn't going anywhere. We've talked about this before. Then it's either Nylander or Marner. And to me, between the two of them, it's a toss-up. And again, I caveat, I've said this in many conversations. Individually, these guys are world-class, top-tier, incredible talents. Lifetime like generational in terms of the amount of talent we've ever had on a Maple Leafs team, it doesn't work as a formula. The, the chemistry doesn't work. The mix is, mm, this ta- it's not, it just doesn't work. And that's to, it's like no individual fault of their own. It's just some things just don't work. So you're left with the well, options of Marner or Nylander. And so I ended up, when I was goofing around on this cat-friendly thing, I ended up trading Mitch Marner, and it took me a while to come up with something that made sense because I'm looking through the list of just guys on teams, and I'm like, there's no way they trade this guy for What made sense? What made sense was Matthew Kachuk. Okay, fine, but yeah, I, I we don't agree even know if that was there. No, I'm, but in terms of a hockey trade, like what you moving out to what you would need back, that was it. Right. No, I agree with that. But then, okay, now try. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, so you're trying to find that trade again. Like you're looking for that that type of trade again, and that's going to be hard. Right. And I what I'm what I mean is like, who's the guy? Who who's the guy that you're oh, going to get back? From Matthews or Marner, who's going to be better than Matthews or Marner? Now, obviously, or, they'll have to be a different player. There's not many guys you can get back who are better than Matthews or and Marner, and maybe not in terms better of statistical production, but just has the elements that you're missing that gives you a different sure. look, right? But but has to be. It's it's so difficult. It's got to be a different look, but an equal level of contribution, right? So, like who? Like you're right. Who is that player? And even if you find that player and the guy I was looking at, which is ridiculous to even suggest this. And that's what it comes down to. Like I start picking at guys who you would lose your job as a general manager if you actually tried to make this trade. But I'm looking at Jared McCann and like he's a good goal scorer. He's a gritty kind of guy, but he, he 
he's a guy the Leafs had in their organization that they gave away. And to now trade someone like a Marner or Matthews for him is ludicrous. So you, I would obviously never do it. And I don't think Seattle would even be interested in doing that, considering they have them locked up long term, $5 million a year. Like they would be insane to move that contract. But you could also say that Jared McCann's one year this year is more of an aberration than what Matthews or and or Marner will produce over the next whatever many years of their career. It's like the Carter Verhage thing. You know, everyone's like, oh, Carter Verhage, such a steal, blah, blah, blah. He's done it for one year. Two like, years. Okay, do it over five or six. Yeah. I think my thing always goes back to Arizona. And if I'm a GM, I'm circling Clayton Keller and Lawson Kraus. Those are two guys that I'm looking at and I'm thinking – you know, Kraus brings an element. Keller bring continues the scoring. So maybe you get pieces back that make up the difference. But you're not you're not trading Mitch Marner to get Mitch Marner back. Like that's not the point. Because then you just keep Mitch. So, and the, and the thing is, guys that Toronto is missing are very very hard to come by in this league. There aren't tons of them. Okay, and so I like the example of Arizona and Clayton Keller and Lawson Krause. And while we're at it, let's throw in Zach Cassian. But no, <laughs> you old and busted. Um, no, but okay, so theoretically, if you offer them Marner or Matthews for that package, there's no chance they do that. No. There's no chance we do that. Yeah. That that to so, me would that to me is is you're not picking Marner out you're picking Nylander out. It starts with Nylander. It's a Nylander and a prospect like if maybe a Voit, uh, and maybe another pick or a prospect for the other two. Like that's that's the way I'd be looking at it. Well, I'm looking at it in the sense of Arizona, and I wouldn't be giving up Keller and Kraus for Marner, Matthews maybe. Really, but yeah. even Matthews, you're getting him as a rental. Yeah. So that's another thing you have to consider from the other side of things. If you look at it from the perspective of the other team, it's like I have Clayton. I, as in I am the general manager of the Arizona Coyotes. I have Clayton Keller, who's 24 years old. He's under team control for the next one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe more than that, seven years. At 7.1 a year. I'm going to trade him for Austin Matthews for one year. Why? But that's the mess they found themselves in, the Maple Leafs, right? They're in zero position of power right now. So Regardless, maybe they though, do like, run it back. Even, even for that, that's that's insanity. You're not trading the best goal scorer. Even to look at it as, well, if he doesn't have the, the contract in place or you know Keller's under control, like it, it's severely undervaluing Matthews regardless of what his contract status is. Well, so here's the problem, though. Has Austin Matthews undervalued himself in terms of what he's worth to this franchise now? In terms of how he played in the second round of the playoffs? Right? Like, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now if we thought Austin Matthews is part of the the solution, not part of the problem. Well, you're having this conversation. (laughs) Okay, fine. Do you you believe that Austin Matthews is part of the solution or part of the problem? You're not in a vacuum. Dustin, just like there's a lot of chatter out there about that being the possibility. Right, but I would say that's more the minority than the majority of people. Right, I I would say that yes, Matthews is part of the solution because what you're 
what's the outside of a goaltender? What is the hardest thing to find in the NHL? I said it last week. I agree with you. It's that centerman. Right. The Leafs have been looking so, for since Matt Sunday. Okay. He's done everything you've asked him to do to produce, right? Because you're making the argument about Matthews being he didn't produce in the playoffs. Neither did Nylander really to what he, the expectation is. Neither did Marner really to what the expectation is. Mm -hmm. I agree. Right. So you're, you're picking out Matthews who is the, again, a back-to-back -back rocket Richard winner who even in slow, slow seasons is still outscoring 95% of the league at five on five and on the power play. And who's arguably the hardest position to achieve in the league for Clayton Keller, who's much smaller, not as good defensively, doesn't produce at the rate that he does. Oh, I'm not suggesting they make this trade. <laughs> so no, I know, but the, it just the even the positing of making that trade is just lunacy. No, but I think I understand no, I Dustin's position. What I'm driving at here, Arizona is that, doesn't do it for only a year of Austin Matthews, right? And the, but like the the larger point that I'm making is that people are suggesting that something needs to change. We suggested this all last week. Something needs to change with this team, whether it's Matthews or Marner, Nylander, Riley, Tavares, whomever. Something needs to change because this collection is not working, has not proven to work thus far. So I'm trying to take it one step further and say, okay, if something needs to change, what needs to change? And if you are changing this particular piece in terms of Austin Matthews, and the reasons to change Austin Matthews is one year left on his contract, you don't want him to walk away for nothing. And we haven't discussed the fact that if they are going to negotiate a extension for Austin Matthews, who's making that negotiation? Like who's sticking around here? Is Kyle Dubas the one doing this? As he walks out the door, signs a contract and says, see you guys later and go on vacation. So there's also that aspect to it. But if Austin Matthews is the thing that changes, or not necessarily even Austin Matthews, if Mitch Marner is the thing that changes, who specifically are we looking to bring back? I think that's all I'm trying to say. I'm not saying necessarily Clayton Keller. I'm just mean, like, who's the guy? And the exercise I was doing today when I went through Cap Friendly, like, I couldn't find someone that I would reasonably say, yes, this be an upgrade for Mitch, not necessarily point production, but I mean, like, this would help the team by moving Mitch because you're losing a lot by moving out a Mitch Marner. You lose a lot and you have to hopefully fill it with so many different things. But to suggest to a team like, hey, we want four of your second line players. It's not going to work. Four, like, no team I mean, says yes to that. That's why the Florida-Calgary trade worked. I mean, it's working for Calgary more than it is for, for Florida more than it is for Calgary at this point in time. But it was a hockey trade, right? Calgary knew they weren't going to be able to hold on to Matt Kachuk. They got a player of equal point production back in value. But what they didn't get were the intangibles. And I think that's what Toronto's missing is those intangibles. And I think it's what Florida felt they were missing. And clearly it's, you know, guys nominated for a heart and they're onto the conference playoffs. He didn't score. I mean, I don't think you're asking him to score because he brings so much more. I mean, that's a little bit facetious. You're obviously asking him to score, but he brings so much more than just scoring to the table. He drives plays. He makes things happen. He makes other guys aware. He keeps the other team honest. We don't... That's that's what we need. Um, and we don't, we don't have a guy who drives up... Like, people say, oh, Mitch is, makes things happen. Mitch doesn't make things happen the same way that he does, right? 
So like, every time Kachuk is on the ice, something is happening. Um, and I, we, we need somebody like that. And I don't know. You're right. It's very hard. The league is very hard to find those guys. Well, I would also argue what you're what you're saying and what you're trying to get is just as rare as what Austin Matthews is, too. I agree. <laughs> 100% agree. Right. So to make the move just to say we need a shakeup is not what you need to do because that's how you very, very quickly set yourself back and lose a trade. I mean, everyone can, you can either make the logic and say, well, look at this team did and we have to do that. But then you would also have to make the same argument when you reference other teams that had these kinds of struggles through playoffs as well, whether it's the Capitals, whether it was the early days of Tampa or whether it was whatever team you want to reference in recent history that have has had this issue. It's, they all either like very rarely do teams figure it out very quickly and just get there. Like Chicago is an aberration, but it took, it took Washington to find the, like they couldn't do it with Alexander Semen. You know, they couldn't do, there were, there was, there was recipes they had that weren't working and they had to, they had to figure it out. So it's, it's one of those pieces, right? But I would say that, I would say through all of that, Matthews is not the issue. And I would say that you would argue, you could argue that Marner's not really even the issue. I would say the issue isn't them per se. It's the fact that they don't have money to do anything else. You can't well, blame them for taking the, the contract that they were given to them or negotiated because you're only worth as much as someone's willing to pay you. Right. And so no player or person in their right mind, and I don't give a shit what anyone says, you get those insane fans and I will call them insane, who'd be like, it's a fucking privilege to play here. If you really want to play, you take half of what you should actually get to help this team. Fuck you, man. If you're sitting there and you're offered $15 million to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're going to be like, no, man, I'm going to do you right. I'm going to only take seven and a half because I want us to be successful. No one's doing that. Well, Tom Brady did, but... Um, the That's a different scenario. Tom Brady <laughs> was at the end of his career. Yeah. Um, and no, no one is saying individually, again, no one's saying individually those guys are the issue. Collectively, one plus one plus one plus one doesn't equal four on this team, unfortunately. So they got to figure it out. The mix doesn't work. They've changed the players around them every season. They, you know, the other thing, too, I think is. Well, just for context, the Maple Leafs have three players that make more money than the highest paid player on Florida. I mean, that's like that's recency bias, though, as well, because you can kind of look at Tampa, too, and look at, you know, their highest paid player isn't that far away from one of Toronto's. Do you know what I mean? To your point, like the the issue is obviously the contract, right? Like you tie up so much money in these guys. It's difficult to fill out the rest of your roster when you have. No, a lot. You know what, though? A lot of teams. I know the argument is like, well, they deserve the money. Like, I get it. But a lot of teams have to be in. A lot of teams have that top four loaded, whether it's 35, 37, 38, 39, 40 million. There's a lot of teams that tie up a lot of money in their top four guys. So that that concept is not exclusive to the Maple Leafs. But again, I go back to the difference with Tampa is their mix of those top guys work and they play differently. They're not they're not the same guy. Or they're all the type that 
have the internal ability to overcome. And we can say, well, it's not their issue, but it's not, it's been X amount of years with the same guys, with the exact same problem every year. The, the problem doesn't change. It's like their performance against Florida is the exact same team we saw in Montreal. There was no difference. And that's the problem. Braden Point plays a different game than Mitch Marner does. Nikita Kucherov plays a different game than William Nylander does. And the elements of, of drive and will and compete are, you know, and every, every team needs a skill guy. Every team needs a William Nylander. But you can't have four William Nylanders. Right? And that's, that's the issue. You can't have four Mitch Marners. You can't have four only skill guys. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. No team has ever won a cup with just four skill guys. I mean, I'm wondering if Matthews looks at this situation and hears all the chatter about how much was paid and blah, blah, blah. And he looks at it and he says, like, look, let's be honest. You know, he's made a lot of money outside of just the sport in general he's made a lot through partnerships endorsements sponsorships shit like that he could easily say keep me at the same contract we'll essentially do the same thing maybe like a one million dollar raise and he said that extra that i could have gotten on the open market can go now to another player and you know there's no saying that that's how he operates his hometown discount or not hometown discount. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, I think he's still not doing us favors because he's not the one who's going to be able to solve the issue, right? Because the issue is in the mix. So unless he's doing that so that we can get rid of one of those dudes and, and bring back something else that costs a million dollars more, it's not, it's not going to, it's not going to change. You, you can't run it back with these four guys. You just can't. There's no history. There's nothing to say that it works. Here's the thing, though. Um, if <laughs> it's starting to look to me more and more that they are going to run it back, these exact same guys. Oh, I wouldn't. Like, if you ask me if I'd be surprised, no. If you heard the comments today from Kyle Dubas and like, that's another huge wrinkle in this whole scenario is that obviously like Shanahan can just take over and he can make all the decisions while they negotiate a new contract for Kyle Dubas. And then there was also that, um, the tweet this morning from Frank Savrelli, 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 <laughs> not even close. Um, Samsonite. I was way off. Uh, Frankie Yes said this morning that uh, Brandon Pridham, I don't know if I'm even saying that one right, but you got essentially it. the Maple Leafs assistant general manager, is they've been contacted in if, uh, to see if he's available to interview for the vacancy in Calgary. So this front office might be picked apart in the matter of a couple weeks, all while having to negotiate a new contract for Austin Matthews. And who's, who's running the show here? That's, I think, one of the biggest issues of, okay, if are they going to trade someone? Yes or no? Are they going to re-sign Austin Matthews? Yes or no? Are they going to bring back Michael Bunting or not? Yes or no? Who's making the decisions? Is Sheldon Keefe coming back? I don't know. Who knows? No one knows. 
<laughs> like there's no there's well, no answers right now and so, there's no one to give the answers because no one knows the fuck's going on right now so brandon shanahan wasn't at media availability today apparently he's talking later in the week which i heard on something on overdrive on my way home here i forget it was either chris johnson or brian hayes said it's the same thing Masai did when he let nick nurse go he didn't talk at availability he waited a few days and they were positing maybe this is shanahan's few days to go to the board with his four different scenarios scenario one we keep Kyle and we keep blah, 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 and this is what we do. Scenario two, we fire Kyle, keep Keefe. Scenario three, we fire Keefe, keep Kyle. Like, it's possible that he, maybe he doesn't know yet. Maybe he's presenting. Like, we don't know. Okay, so let's say that you're the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs and you are unable to get a extension with Austin Matthews by the draft. So it's now draft day. You have not got an extension with Austin Matthews. Are you looking to trade him? Or are you going to continue to negotiate? Me? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm any, extending either, like Both of you. <laughs> I'm extending him. I, I do think number one centers are the, the hardest thing outside of a goaltender to find in this league. Um, and... It's very rare you find a guy that wants to stay in kind of this environment with that kind of skill level. Um, and so I think when you have that kind of mutual interest, you got to take advantage of it. Um, I don't know, again, how he feels if Mitch Martyr is the one that has to go. Again, what matters to Matthews, winning or being buddy buddies? You know, and you know, you say you don't make a, a a change for the sake of change. I don't know that there's an instance where they change on this team and it's just for the sake of change. These guys also need to learn accountability. There's fuck all accountability on this team, like literally fuck all, right? Like the players get whatever they want. So maybe it's a little bit of a wake up call. Like, hey, buddy, this isn't Muskoka five round two. You know, it, it can't be. And if you look at the free agents this year, I know Maddie and I were talking about this the other day, they have a lot of options to change the culture of this team in free agency if they choose to and if the players want, choose to want to play here. Uh, one of the guys that Kyle Dubas, and if Kyle Dubas is, it continues to be the GM, I c if Kyle Dubas continues to be the GM, I can almost guarantee Tyler Bertuzzi's a Maple Leaf next year. You know, that's that's an interesting topic. We probably should dive deep into that on a future episode. I, I imagine we will as free agency rolls around. But, yeah, I was looking at Bertuzzi. I was looking at Yanni Gord. <laughs> Car Carson Soucy, a defense. Um, Corey Perry. There's yeah. there's opportunities that we can talk on another episode. But to change the yeah. cult, because the culture of the team, and I think that's the word, the culture of this team has to change. Because it's it's not it's not it's not a winning culture. It's not. Uh, you know what? There's um. Oh, I was gonna bring this up, and maybe I'll look for it. Um, they say it. It's in Shorzy, where they say, you know, it's not that they they love to win. Oh, I, they don't hate to lose. Yes, exactly. The Leafs don't hate to lose. They don't. They don't have that thing in their stomach where they say, "I cannot fucking lose." They don't have it. And I'll look for that quote while you guys talk because it's a really good quote. But that's exactly what's wrong with this team. So, Maddie, I'll pose you the same question. 
you're the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it is now draft day, and you do not have an extension for him yet. Are you trying to shop him and get him out of here at the de- or at the? Uh, I'm calling it the deadline because I'm I'm making it up as the deadline because his no trade is going to kick in. So are you trading no. him before that no trade kicks in? No. Nope. <laughs> Not even discussion. Nope. Because, like I said, it's just because you don't have the extension on July 1st when, yeah. you know, free agency, when he's allowed to sign. Um, or, sorry, you don't have the extension by the draft. Right? Who's to say that he doesn't sign it in August? Who's to say that it's not September? Maybe the dude just needs some time away. Like, Everyone thinks that if it's not there, he's not re-signing. Like Stamkos didn't re-sign his extension when he could have, and he re-signed back in Tampa on the opening of free agency. You know, there's plenty of instances to say that or examples of guys that could sign an extension and they didn't, you know, on July 1st, and they signed it a little later. Yeah, like it makes people sweat and it definitely crunches time down. But I mean, I don't think we've ever seen any indication that he doesn't enjoy playing here. I don't think we've ever seen ever any indication ever that he wants to be somewhere else. You know? Well, he said today he wants to stay. Yeah, he wants to stay and his intention is to sign an extension. I think at that point too, that granted, that could be a little bit of posturing. Yeah, for sure. And putting the pressure on the organization for sure. But if you're trying to do that, I don't think you're as candid or as forthright with it. I think your response is a little bit more political. I think it's a little bit more tailored. It's been three days. I'm sure he's talked to his agent. They said, this is going to come up in your end of the year availability, right? And they probably would have coached him if he said, what, are your, what, what do you want? Like, what are you looking to do? Right? Are you looking to ride this out and then go to UFA and whatever? And he's probably like, no, like I want to stay here. Like that's my number one option. I love it here. I want to sign here, continue. I want to retire with this team. And he's he could say, okay, then let's put pressure on the organization to get this done. I have a what I, I will quote. offer for some sort of hope <laughs> for this team. Look back at Sidney Crosby. And I know obviously they're different players, but Sidney Crosby had a five-year contract where he's getting paid $8.7 million a year. In the last year of his deal, he had a no-movement clause. So before that kicked in, on July 1st of 2012, they signed Sidney Crosby to a 12-year deal. Same money, $8.7 million a year. And yeah, but that's because that Sid's contract. a superstitious nut. Uh, perhaps. Hang on. But the, the great thing about this is that Crosby... Now, still producing points, still top of the league, and he's getting paid $8.7 million a year, which looks like a goddamn steal right now. So the hope is, and I know you can't give guys 12-year contracts anymore, but if Austin Matthews does resign $11,034,000, whatever his stupid contract is, because he's got to get a stupid number 34 in there, um, as long as he continues at the pace he's been playing and... Eight years from now, or seven years from now, we might be looking at this as, boy, did we have Austin Matthews under a wonderful team-friendly deal at $12 million if the cap just continues to rise like it's going to the next couple of years, right? Well, think of it like this. You sign Austin Matthews to an extension at $13 million a year, hypothetically, okay? 
it kicks in in the year the cap's supposed to go up to 88 million perceived. If four years from now, when he's 30, and that's year four of an eight-year deal, right? That cap, realistically, you're probably looking at north of 100, north of 105 million. That 13 million looks like seven and a half. Now. So yeah. I, I would, I would agree if if the ratings for this stupid league weren't going in the tank. Like I, I would need to know when that TV deal expires and why the ratings keep going south, right? Because that's I think that's going to have a massive effect on the cap too. So I mean, as long as they're as they got to figure out a way to turn the league around, that's a bigger conversation. The league itself has to be turned around in order for that to happen. But um, but I would the ratings in terms of right now or for like the next six or seven years for what the TNT slash ESPN deal is, that doesn't really affect the cap until the next contract. With yeah, I don't know when TV. that deal expires, to be honest. That's all, well, that's that all one they just signed, the TNT yeah. deal was recent. but And I think from the stuff I've seen, the TNT is actually very happy with their NHL uh, ratings. Oh, I wouldn't know. Um, I, but I think the, the one that's coming up, I don't know exactly when it's coming up, but the Rogers one has to be coming up soon. No, I thought years, that one was longer. It? So ESPN and Disney reached the seven-year rights. It was a joint deal with ESPN and TNT. And so that was they two years ago. The so there's, there's five years left on that deal. The Rogers deal was 12 years. Yeah, but how long ago was that signed? I feel like that was forever ago. 2030. Oh, it's up in two years. You're right. Yeah, it's two years. And then yeah. all of a sudden, we're going to have to have either Rogers or Bell, and it won't be Bell. Rogers gonna have to fork out another however many billion dollars, and that will significantly impact the cap. I wonder if they do the partnership deal similar to TNT and ESPN in the states. No, you know what I mean to say. Look, Rogers clearly effed up on the amount that they paid for the NHL because they oh. really wanted it. TSN, I think, survived pretty well. Oh, given... Rogers didn't get their money back on that deal at all. No, no. And I think TSN survived. So I think they find a middle ground to say, hey, TSN wants it back. Rogers says, we paid too much. And I don't think they would go there like hat in hand, but I think it's very well understood that they paid way too much. I would not be surprised if they find some kind of common ground agreement and to say, look, Wednesday night games, Rogers. You know, Saturday night games is the CBC or no, or here. Wednesday night goes to TSN, Saturday goes to Rogers. And then they say, we'll split the Tuesday, Thursdays. One week, it'll be Tuesday, TSN, Thursday, Rogers. The next week, it'll be Tuesday, Rogers, Thursday, TSN, or whatever. Or you get Apple TV come out of nowhere and just throw a whole bunch of fucking money at it. Right? I mean, the they, could, they could look at that and say, hey, yeah. it's a cheaper product. It's not a, we can get actually this not a and we can bad idea. It's not, you know, not that anyone, unless I accept our local apologist for Apple TV, Jean-Pierre, shout out. Um, yeah. With care. But I don't know. Before we move on to the Leafs, I'm going to play this because I think for anyone who hasn't heard this, it's really it's really poignant and I think it's really on point for this team. The kids don't want it. They don't skate. They don't score. They don't hit. They don't fight. They float. They don't love to win. They don't hate to lose. I hate losing so much. Well, that's what makes you such a sniper, Nat. Oh, you think I'm a sniper? To a lot of guys. <laughs> but it's true. 
I, like tell me about that Florida series. They didn't skate. They didn't hit. They didn't fight. They didn't score. They don't hate to lose, man. And it's they haven't hated losing. Every year we'll learn from it. Every year there's a lot to take back. Every year we believe in this team. They don't hate to lose. And we would hate for you to lose out on a great opportunity of saving some money because this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com. And remember, go to nowyourtreasures on Instagram and send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. Now, I know we were talking about free agents and guys coming up and Maple Leafs that we may want to see in the blue and white or... Maple Leafs that we don't think will be in the blue and white anymore. But one person I know for sure, a free agent that will end up with the Edmonton Oilers is Justin Hall. And the Edmonton Oilers, um, at the end of the day, it's very if true. you look at it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to throw this out right now. You can clip this out, okay? Clip this one out. I'm saying it right now on May 15th at 7.04 p.m. Justin Hall is going to sign with the Edmonton Oilers. Five years, $25 million. All right, and we'll see, we'll see when it happens on July 1st. Now, <laughs> we were talking about, like, during the playoffs, and we would say, you know, the Maple Leafs aren't looking so good, especially when they went down 3 nothing. We pretty much wrote them off. And, like, man, those Oilers and Dreisaitl and McDavid, they look great. They won one more game than the Maple Leafs did. That's it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it, 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 you need a, a change of perspective. When I know on the outs, we're, we're, we're in our silo sometimes, we're in our own echo chamber, and we're, we see a lot of the, we, we get fed a lot of Maple Leafs negativity. And some absolutely warranted. But looking at this Oilers team, are they that much worse or better? Dude, they they have some of the same symptoms that this team does. They're not they have holes on the back end. Dude, Darnell Nurse making over nine million for the next eight years is uh, a pain. Um, yeah, for a dude who's as much of a liability as he is. It's just ugh. And at the end of the day, Jamie McLennan said this today. And I know I'm referencing this a lot because I said it. And right, let's be but, honest, like Full like disclosure. I mean, in my opinion, I genuinely think it's probably the best sports content in terms of like approach and you know views. So it's very easy to like, yeah. He look said, at them um, and be like, you're spot on. You need, and he's right in the playoffs. I think this is true. You need a goaltender that's probably going to steal you a, a series. Maybe not the same series, but at least four games. And he's probably not wrong about that. I don't. I don't. And I know he's a goalie apologist, and I, he called a goalie hugger because he was a he was attendee. But you need a guy who's going to come in there and play a little bit of Jesus for four games, 
because there are times where they're going to have to bail your team out because it's impossible. Listen, as much as we criticize the Leafs and even as we go to talk about the Oilers, it's impossible to be on for potentially 28 games. It's impossible. A goalie's going to have to bail you out. And we, you go back and listen to our preview episode for the playoffs. We said this team's glaring issue is going to be the goaltending. And what happened? Yeah, I think you asked both of us, like, who's going to start in net for Edmonton? And I think we both gave you different answers. We're like, uh, Campbell? Skinner? Well, I mean, we talked about last week or possibly the week before about buying out Matt Murray and what that would look like. Man, you talk about an untradeable contract. Jack Campbell's contract is not movable. Dude, I was worried I was going to have buyer's remorse buying iPods Pro. <laughs> what kind of buyer's remorse do the Oilers have? Right. And I don't mean that. Jack Campbell's an amazing person. Wonderful Very dude. Very nice dude. When it's he's not a, about being a nice person. When he's, a, when he's a good goalie, he's a great goalie. Inconsistent. Inconsistent. And, and I, problem, I don't mean this to insult Jack in any way, but I think Jack Campbell is a tremendous backup goaltender. Very, very high-end backup goaltender where if your starter gets hurt, he can fill in for a stretch of 20, 20 games. 20 games, yeah, exactly. He is absolutely 100% an NHL goaltender. But do I want him as the number one starter in a playoff run making $5 million a year? No. Now, Come I got a question. How much are you sweating if that's game one of the Stanley Cup final with Jack Campbell? You wouldn't as your get goalie? there. I don't you think wouldn't get, get there. there. <laughs> right. But I'm saying, like, as your backup, say your starter goes down in game six of the previous series, you win it. He comes in and fills in for the last period, and it's game one of the Cup final. How are you feeling? I think you're okay because you, th- you think you can get through this. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not because you're supposed to come in and fill on short notice as a backup would now, and it didn't quite work out the way they wanted to. I don't know what they're going to do, man. They're as cap-strapped as the Leafs. They got enough decisions they to make. They might be worse. It's, you know, Nugent Hopkins didn't score for like eight games. <laughs> you know, um, they, they're they in a very similar situation. What I don't like, and you said this about the echo chamber, and TSN provided, or I've seen tweets about it today, <laughs> Craig Buttons, like, the Leafs, they're nowhere close to a cup. They only won five games. There's so much change that has to happen. They're not going to make it. And then they ask about the Oilers. McDavid and Dreisaitl look at me. They're going to take another step next year. They're, they're, they've they're, been on the same path. McDavid's 26 and Dreisaitl's 27. It's well, very, very similar to Matthews and, McDavid, Matthews and Marner. Well, think of it like this. There's a reason why Craig Button never got another GM job after Calgary. So... <laughs> Uh, okay, and also, I don't want to spin it too much back to the Maple Leafs, but I would like to make this point. Let's also give credit to Kyle Dubas for not re-signing Jack Campbell. Well, at least so at that money. We, everyone loves to give Kyle Dubas shit for all the things that, like, oh, he gave so much money to Matthew. He did not give a contract to Jack Campbell. So let's also keep that in mind as well. Right. So, yeah, sometimes uh, the best signings are the ones you don't make. Right. Yep. And I, I don't how about know, the Zach Hyman, too, at 5.5? Well, here you go. That's the other thing. That dude, how often was he hurt this year? He was and hurt. Was he not hurt in the last couple games? Yeah, he didn't. He 
Charlie Horse in game one against Vegas, and he was off for two games. And then I think he came back and did absolutely nothing. So I, I look at this and I'm. But Edmonton doesn't have the pricks. Sorry, to cut you off. I was going to say, Edmonton doesn't have the pricks that, again, that you need. And again, not to tie this back to the Leafs again in Florida, but you you need a little bit of every team that wins a cup needs a little bit of Eddie Guerrero, right? Lie, cheat, and steal. People complaining about the refs. You you need to be above. You can't leave series to refs. You can't leave the series to, well, what if Alex Petrangelo does a 12-6 to hack on Dreisaitl? It's going to happen. It happens every year in the playoffs. The Edmonton Oilers don't have the pricks. They don't. And well, either, like they relied on their power play, which, yeah, you want your power play to be successful, but at the same time, Vegas did it perfectly. What happens when the other team does not take penalties and just says, we got to play discipline? They outscored them 18-5 to five at 5-on-5. Five five. And when Vegas doesn't take a penalty... What the fuck are you going to do? That's a heavy stat. That's a good stat. That, that's a big stat. And when it, it's very reminiscent of the Leafs of previous years when it's like, oh, our toughness is our power play. Doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the playoffs. We all said that. Like, I think we could go back to our playoff preview show and say the Oilers will not succeed because they can only really score on the power play. And in the playoffs, the power plays don't come in the same way. They go down yeah. a lot, and even still, a lot of the time, it's two guys are taken, not just one. So you're not getting the power play. And guy and refs love to even the calls up. So any any opportunity you're getting, you're probably going to get it given back the other way. So Unless you know, you're that one game in New York and Carolina where it was like five power plays to none. Yeah. but Or sorry, not New York and Carolina. It was Carolina and Jersey. I forget who it was. Islanders? Yes, the Islanders. So it was New York, but I had the Rangers in my head, but yeah. So something I never noticed before. I don't know if you guys noticed this before. Darnell Nurse, it's one. McDavid, two. Drysaddle, three. The Leafs. Zach Hyman, four. Nugent Hopkins, Hopkins. five. Evander Kane, six. You know what they all have in common? They all make a lot of money. That is true. I will give you that one. Points (laughs) for (laughs) Matty. But what I'm driving at... Every single one of them, no movement clause. You know, Every single one of them have a no movement it's clause. It's the biggest piece of dog out. shit. The Oilers are both the Leafs and like the 2014 Canucks, 2015 Canucks. Or the Muskoka Leafs and the Leafs now. Yeah. I, I feel like the Oilers, aside from McDavid and Dreisaitl, like the way this roster has been made up, it's as if Kyle Dubas was on crack. Like if you took Kyle Dubas and like made him hang out with like Tyrone Biggums for two months straight and then he came back to work, he would be the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers. The the decisions that have been made for this team. Here, I will posit this then to you two. Who's in deeper shit? The Oilers or the Leafs? Because we all we all got pissed at Dubas only giving Matthews five years. But you could argue he left the door open to say we can resign him and we probably will, but at least we have some flexibility. Yeah. That's one of the things I was just looking at with this Oilers team. Like there's not it's, a lot of, it's eight years. There. It's like another at minimum six years of absolute nightmarish cap situation. 
Oh, I forgot to mention Jack Campbell has a modified no trade. <laughs> that dude got five million and a no trade. And you know so what? It's a modified do. no trade. So it's a 10 team list kind of thing. So like a third of the league he can't be traded to. But right. Still- so and you know that any team that would be looking for goaltending help that would take that on to get you something is gonna be on his list. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So I so again, like I said, as I'll pause it to you guys, who's in deeper shit? I don't know. James, go ahead. It's it's hard because on one hand you have McDavid and Drysaddle, who again the gap between how good McDavid and Drysaddle are and Matthews and Marner is much larger than we thought. Like the the argument of who the better tandem is is not even a question. Okay, but, but I would also just in saying that too, Drysaddle disappeared for the last three games when you arguably needed him the most. Yeah, well, I mean, he also did take a a huge. 12 to 6 axe wood choppy choppy to the wrist if you ask me do i want mcdavid and dry or matthews and marner i'm taking mcdavid and dry but for sure but which right. which but, situation but as a gm if you're would asking you rather me, do i want this maple leafs team or do i want this oilers team i am taking this maple leafs team 100 times out of 100 as a gm not like as a fan or anything yes. from a gm's chair no, no, yeah no, i think as, i would agree GM, for the same reason that you ironically for all the things we've said, ironically, there's more flexibility. Maddie's right. There's more flexibility on this Leafs team than there is on on that team. Um, and I think there's just more. I'll also say this. this. This sounds like, and again, I'm not doing this just to be like Toronto-centric, but if you're a free agent, you have the, the chance to go to either Edmonton or Toronto. Where are you going? I would 100% go to Toronto because it depends on your personality. If you want to play hockey and you don't want the that like you you don't mind the spotlight, but you don't want the. No, I guess it's still kind of a spotlight. I don't know. It's tough. No, because also TJ Brody. Who the fuck wants to go to Edmonton? Exactly. TJ Brody manages to do just fine here. You know, he makes he makes some money. He's one of their top players. He's arguably their best defenseman, and you know. He's not doing interviews all the time. He's not. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. I think it's. I think you're right, though. I think it comes down to flexibility, options, c- commitment to guys. You know, again, if you're in the situation where you know McDavid has a no move, no trade, or whatever, like, do you think that guy's going to resign there? He might. I don't know. The, the the question's there, and you can't do anything about it. Like if he says right, he, I'm not, and I'm and staying. like he's like, but you're not trading me either. Like he royally fucked that organization. If you want to talk about anyone that could fuck any organization in the ass in any pro sport right now, McDavid could royally fuck the Oilers six oh, yeah. ways from Sunday. Yeah, because it could be they're not good enough to make it through. And the only way to make adjustments is to get assets back or rebuild. But with him, you'll always be too good to have a decent enough draft pick. You'll well, and that's the thing. You're going to go from everything to nothing overnight with nothing to show for it. If he chooses to, it's going to look a lot like Pittsburgh when Crosby has gone. Well, that's a, a good segue there that. Yeah. With McDavid, they're never going to be bad enough to be a, a, a top drafting team like the Chicago Blackhawks 
are going to be when they make the first overall selection, which we assume is going to be Connor Bedard. But you don't man, think they're going to go for Adam Fantilli? Just no, big swerve? Mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think this past week when the draft lottery was aired on whatever network, I guess Sportsnet aired it. I think this drove home the point that, man, there's a lot of stupid people out there. <laughs> the the outrage that happened when oh no the nhl just proved they rigged the draft because they rolled the vtr too soon no guys no <laughs> that's not how Dude. tv works yeah this these is motherfuckers the, out here it's not the nba there was like gary bettman's like just behind a curtain rolling the tumbler and pulling out team from a, the ball like it's the Royal Rumble? No. This shit happened hours ago. Like, the draft lottery happened in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then in primetime television is when they aired the Smoke and Mirrors presentation yeah, it's to not, all these simpletons out there. It's not the NBA or the NFL, like, which 100% do it live because there's, it's just a different level. These guys don't have the cachet to do it live. There's no time. There's no time to devote to the NHL for a live draft lottery. No, like, yeah. For people who are like, well, explain it to me then. How Kevin Weeks knew, and you can give them the actual legitimate explanation and say, well, the picks were already made. He was given a script. He went ahead on the script a little too early, and that's what happened. Nope. It's people. I don't, I don't necessarily think he even went ahead. I bet they recorded all of those segments and then and tried whoever to time was directing it. and putting the show together just went, oops, I put this one where two should go and three went where two. Like it just kind of flipped them around when they're building the show. That's what I think happened. Regardless, it's the fact that people just ignore the old like Occam's razor adage where it's the simplest explanation is generally the most true. What's simpler? The giant conspiracy that the NHL is is fixing it so Bedard goes to Chicago and an original six team can continue to be better, have an opportunity to be better, or hey, this was pre-recorded because the lottery ball results are already done and we just shoved it out there and there was a miss at it. Oceans fourteen, George Clooney and Brad Pitt they rigged the NHL draft lottery, and there's this huge Tarantino style vignette. Uh, what do they call those? Uh, montage of how they did it by stuffing themselves in food carts and sweet talking security carts. No, he stuffed himself in a giant lottery ball and popped yeah. it and fucking carrying a big wad of balloons and letting go and it covers yeah. the security cameras as the <laughs> balls around. Yep. Do you I think, think Patrick Kane uh, goes back to the Blackhawks now and plays with Bedard? No. no. I think I think Chicago's in. I, what this did, in my opinion, is gave Chicago the reset it needs. You know, because of everything that happened with Kyle Beach and everything that went on there with Taze and Kane there, it was they were the last little bit of that legacy of that team and of that situation. That what this does is is say, now we get a fresh start. We have a brand new franchise yeah. player in Connor Bedard, new GM, new coaches, new everything. It's a way for them to again start fresh without having any of that lingering so even if kane's like hey i want to come back i'll take a huge discount i think no. they say we can't do it we need it's to a, fresh it's start a brand on. new era they've sold so many season tickets because 
Bedard's coming. It's just stupid. Did you see the number? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's unreal. So don't Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab don't it. even bother. You know, focus on young talent. You have Seth Jones signed for a hundred million dollars for a hundred million years, <laughs> <laughs> which is not a good contract. That was a joke. Um, you know, they're they they're gonna be. It's gonna be pain still. Bedard's not winning any sort of. Yeah, go ahead. The Blackhawks sold 2.5 million worth of season ticket plans within 1.5 hours of Bedard being drafted. At that point, if you're Connor Bedard, I put my hand out, be like, "Yo, can I get just, some of that money?" I'd yeah. be like, "Just pay me now." So, the the ideal situation is Bedard puts up Crosby-like points in year one. They fail miserably. They draft another great dude, and they go from there. And then they start signing free agents who want to go play in. Bedard land like that's that's what Chicago's not a bad place to play man I wonder do you think there's a a chance that Connor Bedard plays in junior next year no no why even the even the American League no to James's point continue to be bad the second best or I shouldn't say second best the second highest paid defenseman on this team is Nikita fucking Zaitsev Okay. They currently have like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They have like nine guys under contract next year. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's a good point though because then you don't burn a year of his ELC. But like, they you have some imagine, mad people who just bought season tickets. I was gonna say, imagine being some of those people showing up to the game, and he's like, "Well, I would, I would also say there's a risk of stunting his development." Yeah, that's also true. Right. If you're not um, challenged. Yeah, if you just take it easy, you're not bored, you're not hitting the next level. Like he's excelled at every level that he's played at, and he's played above age groups every level he's been at, to the point where if he were to just go to the AHL and just dummy it or back to junior junior would be the worst. It's the AHL or NHL for this guy, like for your point. Um, I just think it's it's one of those things where you risk lowering the ceiling on this guy's potential. Yeah, that's possible. Man, I'd just be I'd just be worried about him. They're gonna suck. Okay, so there's the other they're gonna flip side of it of coming in and being in a losing organization as soon as you come in. But you get him to you get him to learn to hate losing so much. Yeah, maybe. Right? You get him to say, I never want to do this again. The boys don't hate to lose. When Matthews right. and Marner came in, they made the playoffs. Yep. Like most good teams, when they draft these guys, like McDavid did well in his first season. And I can't remember what the Oilers had done in that first season, but it you learn what it takes. That year, while may not be successful in terms of team success, what you learn in that season is invaluable in terms of what it takes to be a pro, what it takes to get through an 82 seat, 82 game grind, what it takes to actually win and be successful in this league. So that in the off season, he takes that away and says, I have to up and train harder, better with better players and people around me, shit like that. No difference than paying your dues, Dustin. <laughs> I just also realized they have 11 picks in the draft. <laughs> yes. Or <laughs> second round picks. They also and they have four have second his, rounds this uh, year. Yeah. They have four second round picks this year's draft. And they have two first round picks, theirs and Tampa's. 
four second which, rounders. Imagine you could probably hit. take two of those first rounders and Tampa's first rounder and move up in the draft. But they're, one of those is going to hit. One of those yeah. one, two out of out of those six picks, two of those are going to be quality NHL players. The odds are in their favor that two of them will be contributing players on a future Blackhawks team. I would say more than two. Outside of Bedard, you got to think eh. that first rounder will be a decent second, third liner, like Tampa's first rounder. And you got to think one of those second round picks are going to hit. Remember, I, well, anything past 20, uh, we did the stats. Like It's like 30% they become NHLers. So it's a one in three shot. Um, but then in the second round, I don't remember. I didn't do all the numbers on that. But um, four picks is a lot. But hey, everyone's doing it wrong. Like You, you don't have to build a championship team through the draft. To, to build a championship team, you need to go through the expansion draft. Because <laughs> apparently that's all you need to do. And or just we finish. don't know the result of the game that's happening tonight, but we were joking before the show started of like, it's very possible that we're going to see Seattle versus Las Vegas in the Western Conference final. Gary Bettman's what Seattle's been in the league two years and Vegas been what, four years? Yeah. You, can, you know what uh, an old lawyer jerking off for a week looks like? That's that that Western Conference final is just Gary Bettman sitting in his lazy boy oh. reclined. <laughs> like, just oh, you go. Just, okay, uh, <laughs> that's that's his that's his wet dream, sir. It is that man's had that man hasn't had a boner that stiff since thirty years ago. And, and to be fair, if they want to expand more, which I can't imagine they could, but if they want to expand more, like what a great bargaining chip for Gary. Yeah, to go to. Kansas City to go to Houston. Houston. I don't know. Houston. Oh, if Houston got a team, bro. To go to Mexico City, wherever the fuck else he wants <laughs> to go next. To say, hey, look, you can get an expansion team, and in two years, you can have a Stanley Cup. Yeah. I mean, that's what he wants, right? I mean, they can't expand because the talent can't be divided that thin, but it's already pretty rough now. Um, the quality of the games would go down, and it would just be no bueno. But, um, yeah, man. This is, I mean, he, for a guy that gets shit on so much, if he if he shows that expansion teams make the Western final, which means one of them is going to make the cup, he's going to be like, see? And his little, I, I told ya. Shma. You know? So. He's very wiener-ish looking, eh? And sounding. Like, he's like an easily wiener looking sounding dude. Yeah. He gets booed a lot for that reason, I think. No other no other <laughs> commissioner gets booed at the level of Gary Bettman for, and let's face it, literally no reason. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, they all get booed, but yeah, I think you're right. I think Gary gets it the worst. Adam yeah. Silver gets love, no? Uh, Goodell gets love. Does he not? Yeah, I, I think Adam Goodell. Silver, I think the players genuinely honest, really like Silver, so the fans like him. Do you think these fucking guys care? As long as the owners are happy, they don't give a shit. Well, I bet Adam Silver is happy because right now with the Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference final is anytime LeBron James is right there, I think the NBA is happy. And yeah, with the with the Lakers and the Nuggets in the West final and then the Celtics and the Miami Heat, like what is going on in South Florida where these bootleg barely make it into the playoff wild card bubble teams, whatever the hell you want to call it, have found their way 
into the conference final of both the NHL and the NBA. Good for Kyle Lowry, though. I am happy to see Kyle Lowry do well, and I, I hope out of these four teams that I don't give a shit about, um, I hope that Miami wins just for Kyle Lowry. That's it. But I can see the, the storyline. I can see the where the NBA would like this to go, and obviously it's LeBron James getting another championship. That would be pretty cool to see as well, though. Do they really? Dude, they do you think they want LeBron to get it? Yeah, I think it makes them money. The LeBron winning a championship is eyes, money. the The fact that there's all these sleeper teams, you know, like the Lakers were a play-in team, the Heat were a play-in team. Like that's unreal, you know. I think that's just crazy to me that these eighth seeds or whatever are, and and to me, looking at the Lakers. Like were they just sleep? Was it was that the plan? Like we're just gonna fucking sleep until the last ten games. We're good enough to to hang around. Last Load ten games. Man. Sorry. Load management. Right, but like, but it's like load management without actually taking time off. Like they were just like, <laughs> we're just gonna hang. Like you said, it's that that meme going around on TikTok. What are you doing here? Nothing. Just yeah. hanging around. Hanging around, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, yeah, I get like the whole ratings thing, but do you think more people want to see LeBron win or watch him fail? Like, get to the final, cool, but they just don't want him to win. I think as he gets older, they want to see him win because it's there's the story of this guy who's still going for greatness. Um, so you you have that I don't know people love seeing old people win I don't <laughs> I don't know what it is there's just I love seeing the old succeed it's true <laughs> there's something about watching an old guy win I, 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 maybe it's be entertainment You're like Bull Durham uh, the that movie with what's his name the rookie Gary Busey like like rookie yeah. rookie of the year no the other one not rookie of the year that was a kid <laughs> he's not old the other one the rookie with um, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, yes, and, or welcome. even even um, Angels in the Outfield with Tony Danza, right? Uh, Major League, Jake Taylor, Brian Song? Jake Taylor, no, not Brian Song, <laughs> Major League. What? Semi Pro. <laughs> Jackie Moon. Jackie Moon. Right. And so plus I you think, had Monix, who is yeah. Uh, I think you just want to see the old guy. Him. You're my boy, Blue. Like you just want to see the old guy have his his. Oil mud fight, right? So that might just be a Hollywood trope, honestly, for sports movies. But I think it, like that old. But I think veteran. it permeates into our our minds where we want to see that that old guy get one last shot, overcome everything. All these young guys are going circles around them, but it's their experience, their wiliness, their never quit. They overcome all their shortcomings to succeed one more time. So I think as these guys get older, yeah, you do want to see them win. I you know Hogan winning the world title in 2002 and then spray painting it I I kind of want to see Jimmy Butler get it though like I'm not necessarily the big Jimmy Butler fan but man that dude is he puts everything out there and he grinds and he commits and he gives he's one of those dudes where he's a hockey player on the court 100% and I, w- I would just really like to see Jimmy Butler get one so all these people can shut it and say, oh, well, yeah, like Butler's fine, but he's not like that top tier. 
No, he definitely so, he definitely deserves a lot more respect on his game. Um, I've always kind of been a little bit of a Jimmy Butler fan. I think I've been more of this playoffs. The dude dropping fifty like it's nobody's business, making clutch shots. Even you know he was asked what the difference between them and the Knicks were. I think that was the question, or what makes them think they could beat the Celtics. I don't forget what the question was, but his answer was we have Kyle Lowry, which I thought was kind of cool. Like he's he's. Because he's you know, not the type to dish out those compliments or that level of respect unnecessarily or like lip service and platitudes. He's the type where, you know, how, how they said he pretty much ran Wiggins out of Minnesota mm-hmm. or he left because of, you know, just saying these guys don't compete. They don't work. Yeah. And he's not mouthy. He's not always on the mic saying dumb shit or doing dumb things like your boy jaw. Um, <laughs> but it's just i don't know like you said he's a competitor and that's what you want to see you want to see the competitors win too so a heat lakers fun would be great to me i have no even though jamal murray's on the nuggets i don't i could give two shits about nicole Jokic. for some reason he always looks like he has a cold um and that that freaks me out um the celtics i i actually really like jason tatum but i feel like he's kind of plateaued and he seems kind of lazy like i I feel like sometimes he's like wiggins and that he just kind of gaps out um yeah but i i don't know how i felt about his quote the other day either what'd he say oh i gotta pull it up all right but while you're looking it up while you're looking up can i play stephen a smith's quote on the knicks after they got eliminated by the heat because it's funny here. I think you'll okay. like it, Dustin. I think I found the quote, though. Okay, you go first. Quickly. Uh, so someone asked him, how do you describe the confidence you had to trust yourself down the stretch? Humbly, I'm one of the best basketball players in the world. Go through struggles, go through slumps. It's a long game. And you can't start the saying humbly, and then I'm best in the world. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I get, like, there's something to be said about confidence and working hard. And yeah, you go through some shit, and you come out on the other end better, stronger, in a better position. But man, you just say, you know, we all go through our shit and sometimes we, you, you come back stronger from it. And I think that's, you know, you learn to have faith in yourself through the process and things like that. You don't, I'm one of the best in the world. Like, uh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a really nice guy, but fuck all you motherfuckers. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> like, wait, pretty what? much it. But so that, that was his quote and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But anyway, yeah. yeah you, gotta, you gotta hear this. This is great. Your new best friend. The Heat knocked out the Knicks here on ESPN. Everyone wants to hear Stephen A's reaction. The rest of the time is yours. I want to thank Jalen Brunson for the great season that he gave the city of New York and the Knicks franchise, 14-22, shooting 41 points. Absolutely sensational performance from him. R.J. Barrett is going to be a long offseason. You are absolutely pathetic. 1-10 from the field. In 32 minutes, all you could score was one basket. You got to really look yourself in the mirror and work on your game, young man. Julius Randle, I am done with this man. I'm calling for the New York Knicks to trade him. You're not going to win with him. His body language, the second his shot is not falling, he's defeated, and it has contagious effect. It's like a virus that hits everybody, no pun intended, considering the times we live in it. Julius Randle is not the answer. Trade him. He needs to go because every postseason, this is what he does. And that's the way that it is. 14 field goals by Jalen Brunson. The entire rest of the Knicks, all other eight players who played, 
13 field goals. An absolutely pathetic offensive performance, and the New York Knicks season is over. Julius Randle is not the answer. Trade for Damian Lillard or call Anthony Towns. Find a way. He needs to go. If you can play McBride and Grimes, you can play Damian Lillard with Jalen Brunson. So, you know what? He oddly, I, I was wondering whether he was talking about the Knicks or the Leafs, to be honest. I was just going to say that. Like, he sounds like us talking about the Maple Leafs last week. Yeah. So, I just thought that That's clip was funny. Hilarious. I, are, I'm done with this. Barrett's going to be a long offseason. That was pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Julius Randle, I'm calling like, on the Knicks to trade him. There's certain things that you just hear. You know, when you know p- people say, oh, my parents lost, they were pissed, whatever. But, like, when you hear they were disappointed, you're just like, oh. Like, or being called pathetic, like yeah. you could be, yo, you're a piece of shit, or yo, you're this, or yeah. oh, you're that. But getting called pathetic, and just in the manner, just in the calm, yeah. RJ Barrett, you were pathetic. Like it's just <laughs> with such conviction, just so resolved to it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Pathetic and being disappointed. It was back in March when we saw the video of Ja Morant in a in a strip club. It was a strip club. It was a club where people weren't wearing a lot of clothes, so it may have just been a regular club, but what I presume was a strip club. And he had like he had a gun on him. And like it was on camera. And then he got suspended for it. And he of course did the whole thing of I take full responsibility and uh, I'm gonna take some time away to get help and work on learning to whatever the fuck, right? And then over the weekend. There was a video posted on IG Live. Fucking guys. IG Live. And what appeared to be a gun in the hand of John Morant. (laughs) Okay, so immediately he got suspended by the Grizzlies, and here we are. And here we are again. Here's Here's the thing, man. Clearly this guy likes guns. Okay, cool. He's American. Like a lot of fucking Americans like guns. That's like a thing that they do. And that's, it doesn't make any sense to us as Canadians or any other person on the planet. It doesn't make any sense. But for Americans, it makes sense. They like their guns. Um, bang, bang. But you need to get your shit together. And what I mean by shit together, you need to have a conversation with your boys and the people you're hanging out with. And listen. Put the phones away. Like, can we take a moment off of Instagram Live? If you want to go to the club and you want to do some stupid shit, put the phone away. Yeah, I think you're looking at this backwards. People are saying, oh, like, Ja, you got to look at who you're hanging around with and make better choices. No, no, no. I'm not saying the 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 people are the problem. I'm saying the people need to put their fucking phone away. No, we need to not wave a gun around period like but that's america the guy the guy i i know you're you're being like defeatist in the concept that that's what it is there but the guy he was with was clearly like oh shit this is not good he puts the phone down oh yeah like so like the before the whole thing was like john needs to be cautious about who he hangs with. he's getting bad advice he's being influenced blah, blah blah this dude clearly is like this is not good puts the phone down so the guy carrying the phone, the guy he's hanging out with, clearly knows this is a bad idea. And this motherfucker is just smiling. Like, he's got to be on drugs or something. Like, to do that twice. After you just had the comment of saying, 
I need to reassess. I need to. Really I need to learn. That. I need to. Do you know what I mean? Like, fuck you, moron. Yeah, John Morant. I'm not he's not an idiot. Okay. John Morant. He he likely okay. He has. I saw an awesome. I don't know if I still have the headline, but I was yeah. I still have it here. Um, it was from Deadspin, and Deadspin I always like just looking at because they have funny headlines and they're like they're more comedic in their articles than uh, most other publications. And the headline on Deadspin by Karen J. Phillips was the uh, author on this article. John Morant keeps showing us who he is. Believe him. That's not even and, a funny headline. That's accurate. Right. Yeah. And that's what I mean by the Deadspin stuff. They're usually like more like articles that are opinion rather than facts. But the point is, this guy keeps doing this. And it's, look, it's not inherently illegal. Like he's not necessarily doing anything wrong from that perspective. He didn't shot anybody. I mean, I guess he technically could, but I mean, anyone in America could. He hasn't done anything wrong per se. It's just you're violating like the conduct of the NBA and all that. I understand that. It's just you need to be aware of your celebrity. And things that you do are going to be seen by so many people. And there's, and our next story is going to uh, touch on this briefly as well. It's like there's phones everywhere. Every every single person has a 4K, 60 frames per second shot of you at any given time. You need to be aware of that at all times. So if you're going to go to the club and do something stupid. Also, just at least tell your boys not to record it. I go, to like, work, that's, that's like, I go to work every day. Maybe not go physically to work, but I work every day. And there's a good example. I'm paid to do a job. Just because the Grizzlies didn't advance and it's May soon to be June it's off season for the NBA doesn't mean he's not still empl- he's not employed by the Grizzlies starting October 1st he's not employed by the Grizzlies starting training camp like you're employed by the Grizzlies so long as you're under contract to the Grizzlies therefore you're expected to like you said uphold their code of conduct and be represent the organization you know not and then and then you know, the people who follow and cheer for that organization. And that's, like you said, not only of your celebrity from a people are watching standpoint, but people are also retaining, especially young, impressionable minds. And, you know, I'm heavily into trading cards for sports. A lot of kids out there, since I started getting back into cards, were always looking for, dude, there's kids on Instagram when I'm watching breaks or whatever or sales, they're going, got any jaw? Got any jaw? They're kids looking for John Morant cards. You know, is some kid going to go buy a piece now because he wants to be like John Morant? I don't know. Maybe that's an extreme. But why would you even take that chance? Why wouldn't you be a, a better role model? And I've heard I've heard other people, and we talk, maybe we talked about this last time. I forget who it was. They were like, you don't know what it's like to be a rich black man you need to protect okay sure you absolutely might need Higher to protect security. yourself keep it in your pants keep it away well don't keep it in your pants either because that's how you accidentally shoot yourself well but i agree with maddie like just hire a crew of dudes to look after you and he probably has these dudes but these are probably the same dudes who are also taking their phone out and like showing all their friends like yo i'm on ig live right now hanging out with john morant and you turn around he's got his gun in his hand like oh shit my bad 
No, just don't fucking do that. Like that should be part. Look, hey, I'm not trying to make excuses for John Morant. I'm just trying to say the American people are too far gone that I'm not going to tell them not to use guns. But just tell everyone in your crew that are around you to stop fucking filming me. Or just leave the gun in the glove box. Well, I mean, that would be the logical thing to do as well. But we're, 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 <laughs> we're introducing logic into an illogical yeah. situation. <laughs> True. Uh, really fun article, though, on Deadspin. I always enjoy their stuff. I, I'll just read the beginning of this where it says, and again, the article, I forgot who wrote this article. Uh, Karen J. Phillips was the author of this article. If John Morant was a bank robber, he'd probably live stream it. If John Morant <laughs> stole cars, he'd more than likely post pictures of them. And if John Morant was possibly obsessed with drinking and clubbing and had an addiction to brandishing guns, in all likelihood, he'd show us. Oh, wait. That's been happening for months now. So, Not wrong. It's, again, obviously a, a tongue-in-cheek kind of article. It's all opinion-based, but there are facts thrown out throughout the opinion piece. And it's just you, the, the cell phone usage in this generation is scary is legitimately scary and it also comes up in our next story and this was a follow-up on something we talked about a few months ago this would have been i want to say september when this came out because it was the punter for the buffalo bills uh matt areza it might be Ariza. i don't know if i'm saying it right doesn't matter and we were really hard on matt areza Ariza, whatever and because in august there it is there um just as training camp was opening up for the NFL, Matt Areza was accused in a civil suit that he allegedly, him and uh, two other football t- uh, teammates at San Diego State, participated in a sexual encounter, we'll say, with a intoxicated 17-year-old girl. So hearing that, I think all of us ripped the shit out of this guy because fuck that, man. That's bullshit. And I'm fairly certain. I have to go back and listen to the actual episode. I'm sure we were very careful in how we worded things, though. (laughs) We probably said, if he was guilty of this, fuck this guy. Yeah, pretty much. But the if is the big part of it because, I mean, that was just an allegation that was uh, served towards Matareza. And... um, the Buffalo Bills, shortly thereafter, a couple days later, they cut him off the roster. Which was a big deal because this, I mean, he was a really good punter, supposedly. In the NCAA, he had like an 82-yard punt. Like, this guy was good. But he's a punter. Like, no one gives a fuck about a punter. Yeah. Listen to Pat McAfee. And anyways, since then, there's been an update to this story. And one of the things that really jumped out at me was just saying they were collecting like, evidence from everyone who was at this party. And I wonder if I can find the actual number, but it was an obscene amount of data that they collected. Because like everyone at their, this party is taking pictures and then they're on IG Live and they're on Snapchat and they're taking pictures and they're taking videos and they're doing whatever. It was in the petabytes of data that they recovered from this one fucking party. Petabytes. So again, not to say like, Obviously, this led to an investigation of a crime. So, yeah, um, an alleged crime. So I guess in this particular case, it worked out to have all of this data. But guys, we need to cool it with the cell phones. Anyways, um, the reason why I'm bringing this up 
is that the update is that Ariza or Ariza, whomever, uh, however you say this, according to the district attorney, and the district attorney obviously would get involved because then they would turn into a criminal case had they determined it was an actual uh, criminal charge that needed to happen to him. Because right now it's a civil suit. It would be criminal charges of whatever had the district attorney led to believe it was. The district attorney said he wasn't even there. Like, of the evidence that they found, the alleged incident between this uh, intoxicated girl and these numerous men who are involved in this scenario happened around 1.30 in the morning, thanks to everyone's time-coded Snapchat videos and whatever, and that they have evidence of Matareza leaving the party at 12.30. So for an hour, the guy was gone, and then somehow was... you know, roped into all this. So that's according to the district attorney. That's according to all the videos that they have accumulated, the petrobytes of data that they have accumulated from this party, from all the people that were there, that they believe that he was not actually there. Now, the lawyer of the victim, alleged victim, uh, isn't believing this, and they're going to take it to civil court. So we will see from there. But I would like to just update everyone on the story because I don't know if everyone heard this. And it's important, I think, if we're going to talk about something from the original point of the story, if there's an update to the story, we should give you the updated information as well. Don't cell phones ping towers? Like, couldn't they just be like, hey, this guy pinged this tower at this time? Right. And I sure, like, it was a very, it was like a 200 page transcript that Yahoo, so I should probably credit this too. It was Yahoo Sports that got this article from. It was a 200-page transcript that was obtained by Yahoo Sports. So if you want to read this full article, it's actually a fascinating article. Uh, just go to Yahoo Sports, type in uh, Matt Areza, A-R-A-I-Z-A. You can read the whole article. There's a lot of, like, nasty details, and it's kind of messed up. But, and, like, there's also, like, further, I don't want, I don't want to talk too much about it. But read the article, see what I'm talking about. But the headline here for our purposes is that the district attorney doesn't believe that Matt Areza was involved. Now, they're not necessarily saying that this girl wasn't assaulted. Actually, they kind of are saying that they don't think she's actually assaulted. But in any event, it seems as though the alleged incident likely didn't include Matareza based on the timing of the events. But when alcohol is involved, who the fuck knows? At that being said, I think it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. That's right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is the segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music from also, not just his run with WWE, but also the theme of Tough Enough Season 1, which was a great, great show. Who wants to go first? You guys can. I'll go. Okay. So, about a year and a half ago, I entered in a sports card break for basketball. And I got the Lakers, and I was like, oh, sweet. Maybe I'll get a sweet LeBron card, or maybe I'll get an Anthony Davis autograph or something. And I wound up getting a rookie autograph card in that break, and it was for one Austin Reeves. And I was like, who the fuck is Austin Reeves? This dorky-looking white dude who is a rookie point guard or guard for the Lakers. I'm like, great. I'm stuck with this Austin Reeves 
autograph. Austin Reeves has taken the Lakers by fucking storm this year. In 64 games, he averaged 13 points, 28 minutes a game, three rebounds, three and a half assists. But in the playoffs, in the elimination game against the Warriors, the man played 39 minutes, dropped 23 points, was four for five from three, five rebounds, six assists. The Lakers have been searching for a guard for a long time. They brought D'Angelo Russell in, but it's my dude, Austin Reeves, who's been killing it all these playoffs. Dude, he's had multiple 20-point games. And, you know, against the Grizzlies in one game, he had eight rebounds. Like, shout-out to this dude, Austin Reeves, for, for balling out and coming out of nowhere and making my card more expensive than it was yesterday. So, good for this guy to come out and play for the Lakers and have a shot at a championship. Go ahead, Dustin. I had one, but I think I'm going to change it up now. Um, no, I'm going to stick with it. So if you if you go back to 2017, Horizon, whatever the hell the Zero subtitle Dawn. of Horizon was, Horizon came out. Zero Dawn. It was Zero Dawn. Thank you. And great game. Incredible game. I loved it. It was probably my game of the year that year. I don't remember what else came out that year, except for Wild. one game that came out one week later. Breath of the Wild. And that was Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And I felt so bad for Guerrilla Games. Where I was like, you guys created a fucking incredible game. But no one gives a shit anymore, because when Zelda came out, it broke open world gaming. Like, the fact that Link could climb anything, anytime, whenever he wanted to, like, completely changed how some people looked at open world games and it changed how people looked at horizon because there was a lot of segments of that game where you just can't climb rocks that you think you should just be able to climb and i feel like the same thing now has happened to uh respawn entertainment and jedi survivor where that game came out two weeks ago whatever and now no one cares anymore because now it's zelda time and that's what everyone's talking about and everyone's playing and i know uh Jedi Survivor had some technical issues on certain versions of the game, but I've been playing on my Xbox and it's awesome. So I just want to say shout out to Respawn Entertainment. I think Star Wars Jedi Survivor is incredible. I know there is some technical issues with it, but I'm still having a blast with that game. But at the same time, I will probably be playing a lot more Zelda than I will be <laughs> Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, I agree. It's... um. Like it's one of those things where there's a few games that people avoid like the plague in terms of other companies. Like Grand Theft Auto is one of them. And if they know what the release date is going to be for Grand Theft Auto, companies will shift their release schedule to avoid that in all hell. So, you know, I um yeah, I hear you. I'm gonna be playing a lot of Breath of the Wild or sorry, of Tears of the Kingdom as well. Um, my shout out is kind of bittersweet. Jim probably already knows where this one's going. Um, I told Dustin so my wife's and my dog of 11 years passed away suddenly unexpectedly and she was the best um she adored jim <laughs> uh she was just awesome and literally kind of like that first piece of like my wife's and my kind of like beginning of our family and she's there for every big moment of our life like with buying our first condo together and then buying our house and you know birth of the kid and stuff like that so um it's really shitty and stuff because I'll be honest, I take pets way harder than I take people when they pass. I don't know why, but um, yeah, my shout out to my little dog, Ruby, and my wife's dog, Ruby. 
And shout out to all of you for being loyal listeners and loyal followers of this show. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Now Your Treasures, for being a excellent partner in this journey. And this journey continues next week, and we hope to see you all there. And until then, take care of yourselves and each other.